Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right. And uh, we must protect this house. Um, (laughs) I love when you say that. Which made me think of, for some strange reason, we must protect this mouse because I was watching the Green Mile last night. <laughs> We've, oh, yeah, you got to protect the mouse. Man, that made me more sad maybe it. than anything in the damn movie. The damn but the mouse came back to life. Oh, that's right. Like an incredibly moved, long yeah. time. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that he did that. That was a great job. Yeah. A great Spoiler movie. alert. Great movie. Oh, awesome movie. Yeah. Awesome movie. Awesome book by Peter King. Where? I've read the book and uh, seen the movie many times, and I'm halfway through it. Stephen King, Peter King. Peter King. Uh, Peter King writing under the pseudonym Stephen King. Well, neither Stephen one seems King, to comb their Stephen. hair all that well, so I can see why you get him confused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's PFT Live. It's a Friday morning. There's a chance Peter King didn't hear that. Peter, are you with me? Peter is not with me. The week is ending like it began, only in reverse. I couldn't hear Mike Golick on Monday. Peter can't hear me on Friday. Now they're telling me we're already going to break. We're going to go to break or we're going to power through it. I guess we're going to go to break. Let's take the quickest break we've ever taken in the history of the program. Quick break. We'll work on P- There must be a mouse The mouse from the Green Mile has infiltrated Peter's wiring, chewed through it, and he can't hear me. We'll try to repair it. We'll see if John Coffey, like the drink but spelled differently, can intervene and fix Peter's audio issues. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. 
No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, we're back. Good morning. It's Pro Football Talk Live. It's our New Year's we're Eve show. We have ironed out, <laughs> ironed out all the wrinkles. Everything is working. Great job by the crew figuring out diagnosing so that Peter could actually hear me. Peter, I don't know if you're aware of this, but on Monday, we actually started the week with me not being able to hear Mike Golick. So Matt Casey was serving as a text message Cyrano communicating to me <laughs> what Mike Golick was saying so I could then respond to it. And it was a very high-tech problem. As it turned out, the cord at the back of my IFB had come out and I hadn't realized it. So I had my little thing clipped to the back of my shirt with my earpiece in, but the cord wasn't in it. The only design flaw in the entire audio delivery system. So we figured that out. That yeah, was on me. To Today we got to figure it out to be heard, quickly. Mike. What's yeah. that? Yeah, hey, I said you need to pl- uh, plug things in to be heard. Hey, exactly. can I just start by saying, because I, I haven't been on in a while, I really miss being on on Friday morning. I have a good time. We have banter. We go back and forth. We sometimes yell at each other. And we're a little bit of a young married couple. Well... I, or an old married couple, as the case may be for both of us, old enough to have grandchildren, apparently. And there's a new grandchild in the King family, aptly named Peter. How about that? I'm, I, you know, it's wow. all, hey, the ultimate honor to have one of your children choose to name the child after her father. Yeah. Congratulations. I know that that's one of the reasons you haven't been available and i i'd like i'd like yeah. you to have a better excuse the next time than a new member of the family slight raise the bar a little <laughs> bit but uh but nevertheless we missed you and that's the main reason you haven't seen peter the past few weeks he's got a new grandchild and that's just awesome yeah we uh that was you know the honor of a lifetime you know you you help raise your kids i mean it was my wife who did 98 percent of the heavy lifting i was around to watch games you know, really, and uh, you know, you you never know what your your child really is thinking. A lot of times, I never knew what Mary Beth was thinking a lot. Uh, but you know, to be given this honor, uh, her and her husband Nick uh, is just—it's so incredibly humbling. And I hate to be corny about it, but man, that's the honor of a lifetime. So, 
hopefully uh, I'll be around for about his first 50 years and, you know, can help him learn some things about football. Well, and that, that'll be awesome. Uh, and uh, three grandchildren now for Peter. Uh, I, I can't wait to have number one. It's easy to say that until it actually happens, but I, I've tried not to think about it because you just never know when it's going to occur. But uh, good for you, yep. good for the family, and great to have you back. And, Thanks, and great to be talking about football as we get into uh, the 17th weekend of the 2021 regular season with one more to go. I was explaining to my wife last night, you know, any other year, this would be it. The regular season would be over. We got this extra yep. week, and, and it's kind of it's screwed everything up in a good way because I feel like this extra week has created more excitement down the stretch more opportunities for teams to recover from bad starts or to recover from stumbles in the middle of the season. Teams have been up and down and high and low. And, you know, I used to think that if you got hot at Thanksgiving, you could carry that into the postseason. Now I'm thinking somebody's going to get hot around Christmas and carry it into the postseason because we've seen that that you can ride that wave and go through the valley and climb the wave again there's, you know, it seems like half the league has been in a cycle like that this year. Look, you know, there's two teams that really come to mind. Number one, Arizona. Arizona's been awful the last, you know, six weeks or so. Not awful, but they just haven't been, you know, what they were early. And then Baltimore. Baltimore starts five and one and then six and two. And they're fortunate. I mean, they have a chance still even with the horrible run they've been on because of their strong start, if they somehow, some way can bottle up Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, you know, with the big crab cake on Sunday, then you look at it and you say they have a really good shot to be in it. So it's been a weird year like that, but I've always said, you know, Parcells used to say the this when, you know, when I covered the Giants, he said it doesn't matter when you win them. You just got to win enough of them. And that is being held true this year. And some of the teams that have gotten hot toward the end of the year, Miami, they're no lock because, you know, they started one and seven. But Miami is one of the cool stories of the year. (laughs) Although, if I was on this show Tuesday morning and we were talking about Miami, New Orleans, I wouldn't have been talking about what a cool story Miami is. I was talking about how the league created an absolute total debacle by allowing that game to go on with 22 positive Saints the week after three teams in the 20s were allowed to delay their game one to two days. And But there was no such luck for the Saints, I feel, even though the league won't say it, because it was the Monday night game. You didn't have the cover of all the other Sunday games to cover for these three games that they postponed. There's no other game on Monday night. So they told the Saints flat out, we don't care how many positives you have. You better put a fee- you better field the team. And by the way, Mike, and, and, and again, I don't want to harp on this, but an, an incredible thing happened on Monday, about four hours before that game. Sean Payton walked into the equipment room of the New Orleans Saints. And there were two guys in there getting fitted for equipment. And so Payton, you know, met him. And it turns out that there were two guys who Payton had not met, 
who were going to put on the uniform of his team that night and play for the New Orleans Saints. One of them was the famous uh, Ethan Westbrook from the, uh, the Michael Sam draft year who had not played in a football practice since August. He hadn't been on anybody's practice squad, nothing. And he played, I forget how many snaps in the game, but that's how much of a debacle that game was Monday night. And this all flows from the Omicron variant, which has caught the NFL flat-footed, but they have been pivoting in the direction of getting the games played. There was some talk about canceling those games a couple of weeks ago. The NFL Players Association got involved once it was fully realized and appreciated by the players that they don't get paid if the games don't get played. So they decided to find a way to play the games. But I agree with you. There's no other game on Monday night. You're taking a a big audience and you're kicking it a day or two. Or what would you have really done on Monday night? And how does it infringe upon preparation for Week 17? And once they set the standard the prior week that we're just going to get these games played, we're not going to cancel them because there was at the league office a thought that there aren't enough players to play for Cleveland for the Rams, for Washington, we're going to cancel the games. We're going to talk later about where the things currently stand with COVID and what the NFL is trying to do to kind of get to the finish line uh, without the car falling apart uh, and then focus on a postseason that hopefully won't be undermined by issues like that. Because, Peter, if we have a game like the one we saw Monday night in the playoffs, the consequences are going to be a thousand times worse. The people will be a thousand times louder and it will feel a thousand times more unfair to a team that has its season come crashing down because of a lack of flexibility due to the the uh, absence of teams. But we'll, we'll see how that plays out. They've got a couple of weeks to make sure they have it all buttoned up. And who knows? Who knows? It's impossible to button anything up with this Omicron variant. One of the games, and the good news is it doesn't feel like many games, if any games, are affected this week. There are some teams that have hot spots, but not right. to the same degree that we've seen in recent weeks. So that's good news. One game that isn't affected at all is one of the best games of the weekend. Chiefs at the Bengals. The Bengals, the epitome of the team that we can't figure out. They have been on, since week six, a cycle of win two, lose two. Win two, lose two, win two. They're due to lose two, according to that EKG that they've been generating for the season. And, and hey, hey, this is a tough one. Here comes Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, ready to take on the hot young quarterback that everyone is praising who has been great and who had 525 passing yards on Sunday. Here's both Patrick Holmes and Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo talking about the challenge of facing and beating Joe Burrow. Not only is he a great football player, I think he's a great leader. Um, he has that special knack where you can he can lead anybody. And no matter where he's at, he can go out there with that, that swag, that mentality of, of I'm going to win no matter what. Um, and it takes – it takes a lot of experience and it takes a lot of just going out there and doing it for people to believe that. And so he has that as, lo- as well as the physical talent to go out there and, and make a lot of stuff happen. Yeah, uh, really, really impressive. I, I mean, look at this may sound crazy, but I see a young Tom Brady. I mean, this guy does everything. He does not look like a second year quarterback that missed a lot of his first year. Um, totally impressed with him. Began the meeting on Tuesday. You know, we were just finishing up on the last game, but began the meeting talking about Joe because I think he's that good. 
Now, I don't think Steve Spagnuolo means young Tom Brady like Tom Brady from 2001, 2002, 2003. I think he means a young version of the current Tom Brady, which I'm more inclined to agree with. Yes. I also yeah. Yeah. I also admire that Spagnuolo learned from the mistake that Don Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator, made last week yeah. in riling up Joe Burrow. You got to go the Lou Holtz route with Joe Burrow because he's going to hear it and he's going to be motivated by it. So, yes, he is Tom Brady. We'll give him the gold jacket. Let's not say anything that will give him extra motivation to kick our butts on Sunday. It's funny. I talked to Burrow after that 525-yard game last Sunday late afternoon, and I asked him about hey, this is your first game ever against Patrick Mahomes. That's got to be kind of cool. And in his answer, you know, I, I looked back at the transcript because I taped it, and I looked back at the answer, and he did not mention Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one of the things. And look, he's not doing it to diss Patrick Mahomes. He just, you know, that's not the way he thinks. He doesn't think, ooh, man, we're playing the Mahomes this week. Hey, sneakerhead. He, it, it's just not really the way he thinks. The way he thinks is, I don't care who we're playing, I'm going to kill him. And he won't say it, he won't say it, but that is what I believe he thinks. Because I I think, Mike, I, I mean, I don't want to go too far overboard with Burrow. I really don't. He's a young player, hasn't played that much in the NFL yet, but I'm just telling you, he's got everything I would want in a quarterback. Even Mike Brown you know, the the kind of the, the acerbic old owner of the Bengals told me a few weeks ago, hey, listen, basically, hey, when Joe Burrow gets a conviction on something, get out of his way. He's just going to go do it. And and so that's the thing that I like about Burrow. You know, he, he, he doesn't listen to any of the outside noise. He just plays football and plays it at a high level. And look, I wrote this in my column this week. I hope this is about the first 20 games between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes because I believe at some point very soon when we look at the quarterbacks in the NFL, Burrow and Mahomes will both be in the top five for a long time. And th there's, there's one similarity that I've noticed between Burrow and Mahomes as it relates to the people behind the, the face mask. He hasn't changed at all. Success has not made him any right. different. He's still very accessible. I spoke to him. You spoke to him. It's fun talking to him. It's it's meaningful answers. It's not jargon and cliche. Yeah. He doesn't hold yeah. anything right. back. He says what he believes. You know, my son types up the interviews that I do after games on Sundays, and he's always lobbying for Burrow because he loves listening to Burrow. I love listening <laughs> yeah. to Burrow, and he's always got good stuff. And, and you caught him at one point during the season, a baby face killer. And, and it really, you know, it, it's so funny when you hear what he had to say after that game on Sunday, and then you see the images of him with the Santa hat on and the crusty crab t-shirt and that face. <laughs> I don't think he's ever shaved. I don't see any yeah, evidence yeah. that the follicles on his cheeks, his chin under his nose. I don't see anything there that would suggest he needs a razor or shaving cream. Um, and uh, it's just it's an amazing contrast between how he presents himself, how he speaks, 
how he speaks and what he says are so different, and then how he plays is so different as well. And it's 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 one of the fun, you know, as we celebrate John Madden, we're going to talk about him later in the program. He made things more fun. Joe Burrow is a guy who makes football more fun, but just by his presence. And and Mike, you know, two things occurred to me when you were talking. Number one, I actually called him Machine Gun Burrow. And uh, but but the thing that occurred to me watching the Madden documentary. When uh, when Madden circles Troy Aikman's cheek and he goes, look, there's no hair here. And then he he drew in a little mustache <laughs> on his on his on his lip uh, above his lip. I mean, it was just it was it was hilarious. And that is sort of the way Burrow looks. And you talk about, you know, the way that he plays. And I just I just know that. It doesn't matter who he goes up against. Every single person he goes up against, he is convinced that he's going to win. And Mike, how about his incredible throw, the game I covered two, three weeks ago, against the 49ers where it's fourth and five. He gets chased out of the pocket, and he finds Jamar Chase on the back, in the back of the end zone when he has to throw it behind him because he's covered in front of him. He's just, everything about him screams that the Bengals are going to be good for a long time now. Absolutely, and they're good now. They win on Sunday. They win the AFC North, a division that still all four teams could win as we head into the 17th week of an 18-week season. The Chiefs are going to be a tough task, though, Peter. Nine straight wins if they beat the Bengals on Sunday. They lead Tennessee by one game for the number one seed, so... You know, th- th- there's nobody as we get closer to the station on this season who has anything wrapped up. There's no talk of anyone resting starters. Everyone is still playing for something. This week's games could could change the perspective of some teams from next week because it could be you have a three seed that can't improve or go down or whatever the case may be. But for now, the Chiefs are still reaching for the brass ring. They've got every reason to win. The The Bengals have every reason to win. And it sh- it should be... A great, great game. And, you know, we keep looking for the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. And I don't think we're going to see another Peyton Manning, Tom Brady anytime soon because one of the key ingredients there, both of their teams dominated their divisions. So they were guaranteed to make the playoffs every year. They were guaranteed to cross paths every couple of years. Just as a practical matter, you're going to see them because they're the top teams in their respective divisions. For the Bengals, who knows where they're going to land any given year. The Chiefs have had some threats recently, but... I, I just like the fact that they're in the same division. So at least we'll see it more than once every four years. These two get together and maybe same we'll get conference. a playoff game. Yeah. yeah, Same conference, excuse me. And maybe we'll get a playoff game between the two teams at some point. Uh, maybe this year. Who knows? Here's the other crazy thing, Mike. I, I, I'm not saying I think the Bengals will win out because I really don't. They got a tough road. Uh, with Kansas City and what likely will be a desperate Cleveland team in Week 18. But if the Bengals win out, here's the craziest thing of all. I want you to tell me who on Labor Day weekend thought that the Bengals would be seeded better than the Buffalo Bills entering the playoffs. I can't think of a person. I can't think of Joe Burrow's parents. I mean, and so... The Bengals are really playing for something now. They're playing for a third seed. And I'm telling you, here's what's going to be really, really interesting. 
as far as the TV schedule, in my opinion, in the playoffs. Can you imagine if the Bengals win out and they finish 11-6 and six with a win over Mahomes, uh, with a win over the 49ers, with a sweep of the Ravens, a sweep of the Steelers? What will the NFL do with them with television? Is there any chance with the red-hot Joe Burrow that they make them a primetime Saturday game or or even a Monday night game? I mean, is that the first Monday night game in playoff history? I, I don't know, but all I know is that if the Bengals win out, they will be must-see TV. I agree with you. And I think it's going to be driven by who they play in that wild card round. And that's still wildly undecided because so many teams are jockeying for the five, six, and seven seed. I know back in Cincinnati, uh, the vibe before the season. Now, now, you know, the fans are always blinded by the possibility of anything happening when you're zero and zero. But, but there were reasons to believe the Bengals were going to struggle this year. Joe Burrow seemed to be having the same issues Carson Palmer did the year after he tore his ACL. There were questions about – we didn't see much of him in the preseason. But, you know, there were questions right. about how comfortable and confident he was going to be planting that left leg again. Uh, he, as soon as it was time to play, that's, that was gone. Once the regular season started – the knee was never an issue, not once, not a single time. And the issues with Jamar Chase's drops, now they came back later in the year, but early in the season he was awesome and he was unstoppable and the defense is focused on taking him away and the offense has pivoted to other things. And, and they've just been, they've been spectacular from the get-go. From the overtime win over the Vikings to start the season, they've been a team that has declared themselves to be contenders. And I think, I agree with you, they'll be contenders for as long as Joe Burrow is on that team. Uh, the Ravens have been contenders ever since John Harbaugh has been the head coach, but it's been, I think, his biggest coaching challenge this year with all the players that have been injured, the yeah. players that haven't been available due to COVID, and now Lamar Jackson. We saw him practicing on sawdust. I know, Ravens fans, that it really wasn't sawdust. It just looked like sawdust on Wednesday. Limping around, he didn't practice on Thursday. That's not a good sign. After he was, I mean, he was clearly affected by the ankle in the video that we saw him from Wednesday, it sure looks like Tyler Huntley, who's now back from the COVID reserve list, is going to yeah. be the guy as the Ravens try to beat the Rams on Sunday. And there's there's Lamar Jackson on the sawdust from Wednesday, and, and you can just tell he's not. I don't like. Why was he even out there? Maybe he needed to prove to himself. Maybe he, he insisted on giving it a try. And after he hobbled around, he realized that that ankle still got some time before he can play. Peter. Yeah, you know, the only thing I would say about this is not that, oh, well, who needs Lamar Jackson? I don't mean that. Obviously, they want him badly. But I think in what we've seen of Tyler Huntley, we have seen a player who you know can be competitive, who you know can lead drives, who, especially after the fourth quarter of the last game he played, was absolutely terrific. So, look... I talked to Calais Campbell yesterday. This, against all odds, this is a very optimistic football team right now. And look, John Harbaugh is basically, uh, you know, he's preaching to the choir about the golden opportunity that's ahead of him. And look, I don't know that many people who think they're going to beat the Rams on Sunday, but I, I, they got a lot of their guys back. And Mike, 
The one other thing that I think is really interesting, just about this particular matchup, okay? So you look at the Rams, they had 30 people, 30 players overall test positive. And so now those 30 players, the vast majority of whom are back, if not all, I don't even know the numbers, but the vast majority are back. Now they got this 90-day window where they're not going to be tested where they are perceived anyway, you know, in, in CDC parlance, to be immune for the next three months. And so it's almost like the Rams got it out of their system and a lot of Ravens got it out of their system too so that it's not something that is the worry for some other teams around the league that that maybe the plague has yet to visit their team yet. So we'll see what happens. But that's one angle of this game that I think is really interesting. Well, and again, we'll be talking about the COVID situation coming up later in the program, but you hit the nail on the head. The only good news, if there is any good news from what's been going on the past couple of weeks, when you get to the other side of your outbreak, you're good to go. Key players, good to go. You're Carson on the other Wentz, side once he's outbreak. back. Good to go. Good to go. That's right. And 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 you don't have to worry about it again through the postseason, which, uh, you know, uh, again, if there's any silver lining in all of this, that's it. And for some of these playoff teams, especially if they come up against a team who's going through an outbreak, they can just sit back and say, hey, uh, we've, we've been there and we've done that. It happened to us when the games weren't win or go home. Uh, and it's it, it feels like it's win or go home. For the Ravens, although I guess there's still a way they could lose on Sunday and thread the needle somehow with all the different permutations that could occur. But four straight losses. It has been a tough ride for the Baltimore Ravens. Some heartbreaking losses. The 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 loss on Sunday to the Bengals that had the extra juice to it with the 525 passing yards and and everything after that. It's, it's they 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 really need to turn it around. And the other problem, Peter, for them, they're playing a Rams team that they kicked the crap out of to years ago 45 to 6 on Monday Night Football that was kind of the coronation of Lamar Jackson his MVP game and and that was such a fun game to watch even though it was a blowout it was so much fun to watch Lamar Jackson there's some Rams players and Aaron Donald admitted this yesterday they're still pissed about that and you know they're holding a grudge two years later even though they're not going to see Lamar Jackson they're going to see most likely they're going to see the Ravens helmets and uniforms and this is their chance for the guys who were on the team then and who remember that night all too well this is their chance to to dish a little payback and and, you know sometimes that notion gets overplayed in football but if it gives you a little extra motivation to stay focused on top of everything else you need to do and everything else you're playing for it can't hurt it's not going to make you any worse if you have an extra little drive and an extra little incentive when you go into a late season game Tell you the one guy I wouldn't want to give extra motivation to is Aaron Donald. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, he's the. You haven't heard much about him this year, but I saw a great stat from Pro Football Focus this year that he and Max Crosby are the only players in football with over sixty uh, quarterback pressures this year, and uh, you know, which means quarterback pressures hit sacks, and you know, so. It might have been more than 80, I forget. But some number, he and Max Crosby are at the head of the line. Uh, So I don't know that he's going to win another defensive player of the year, but he'll be all pro again. And, hey, look, I said this before the year. You know, Aaron Donald is, there's a good chance, a good chance that he's going to retire as the greatest defensive tackle of all time. 
And you can do it by a lot of different measures. It's hard to measure him against players of the old days, against me and Joe Green. I get it. It's hard to do that. But the fact is, when you measure by all pro, which to me, I have no interest in the Pro Bowl. None. Zero. Uh, in terms of a measuring stick today. But you measure by all pros and he gets a couple more. He'll have more than any uh, in NFL history among defensive tackles. So just look out. I mean, Aaron Donald, you can't say enough good things about him and appreciate what you're seeing right now. I know the Ravens are not going to appreciate it on, on Sunday, but appreciate what you're seeing right now because he's an amazing football player. When we get caught up in the numbers, we get caught up in the sacks, but the pressures really are the key because there's a certain amount of fortuity yeah. that is tied to whether or not you're going to get a sack. If yes. you are creating havoc yeah. on every play, if you are blowing up the interior of the line on every play, you 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 are doing your job as well as it can be done. And we talk about extra incentive. I, I think that Aaron Donald this year at times has gotten sick of hearing about other guys. His three-sack night against the Cardinals came a day after it was wall-to-wall Micah Parsons, Mike Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, while he's sitting yeah. at home waiting to play the next day, I, I, yeah. I just suspect that that he's had a little extra, and and he, now he's got a little extra more as he as he gets a shot at the Ravens after what happened a couple of years ago on a Monday night. I, well, you know, I I go I had gone back and forth on this one. I think the Rams are going to come through. I think the Rams, if anything, Peter get a lift from the fact that they tried to hand the game to the Vikings on Sunday with three interceptions from Matthew Stafford and the Vikings gave it back like like a sweater that doesn't fit. I, I think that you you can actually gain confidence as a team. When you have a game that you feel like you should lose and you still win by seven, I feel like that gives you another little boost going into the late games in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you've got a little layer of of armor there and, you know, the talent on your team and 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 maybe the way you played when you were playing well in that game is enough to overcome the horse crap. And that's what you see sometimes <laughs> with quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford. You really do. You know, Matthew Stafford giveth, Matthew Stafford taketh away. But I still think the Rams are deliriously happy overall with what they've gotten in Stafford. And this is a big game for the Rams. Now, look, if you look at the whole home field thing, it's highly unlikely that uh, they're going to catch Green Bay. Green Bay has got... You know, Minnesota at home, and then they got the Lions. So you wouldn't think that they're going to lose either one of those games. But, you know, you'd rather be the second seed uh, it, when there's going to be potentially, potentially a not very good team as the, uh, as the seventh seed. But, again, the other thing is, what if the seventh seed's the Eagles? <laughs> then it really might not matter. Because the Eagles right now are a dangerous team. They've been the best running team in football, very surprisingly, since midseason. So, I, I mean, there's nothing guaranteed in the playoffs other than it really doesn't look like the Packers are going to surrender the number one seed. Yeah, you're right, and that is going to make it very difficult for the Rams to get to the Super Bowl because unless the Packers are upset in the divisional round... Uh, and, uh, you know, or, uh, the Rams may see them again in the divisional round like last year. At some point, they're they're probably going to have to go to Green Bay 
And it's going to be a very difficult place for them to win, especially with the playoffs this year a week later. Every level is a week later, so it's a week deeper into the winter in Green Bay and greater chance of getting one of those days like they're going to have on Sunday night when it's low single digits when the Packers host the Vikings for the Sunday night game. All right, on Monday night, Peter, now we we had suspected for a while that this is it for Ben Roethlisberger. There have been rumors, there have been reports. There was a feel last March when he agreed to terms on a reduced contract that this is going to be it for Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. But yesterday, for the first time, Roethlisberger acknowledged that Monday night's home game against the Browns, likely his final one as a member of the Steelers. Let's hear directly from Roethlisberger from yesterday. You know what? I don't ever um, speak in definites or guarantees. That's just not what I've ever done or, or who I am. Um, but, you know, looking at the bigger picture, I would say that all signs are pointing to this. This could be it. Um, regular season, that is. We, I know we still have a, a chance to potentially get a playoff game there if things fall our way and we take care of business and things have to happen. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, in terms of regular seasons, um, signs are pointing that way. This could be it. Hey, and I think, look, Peter, we've seen some games this year by the Steelers at home. On the road, it doesn't play as well, even though – you see plenty of terrible towels flying in the various stadiums where the Steelers play away from Pittsburgh. There's something about those games in Pittsburgh. The game against the Ravens, where, ah, oh, come on, the Ravens are going to be, nope, Steelers find a way to win. The game against the Titans, ah, Titans, are, nope, nope. They, they, you, the, 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 the terrible towels and the vibe, and they play Renegade, and, you know, it's a three-phase effort, and everything just kind of falls their way, and they find a way to make it happen. I won't be surprised if that happens on Monday night. That's bad news for the Browns. And and speaking of past games providing current motivation, there's going to be plenty of guys on that field that want to wipe the taste out of their mouths of what, what happened to end the 2020 season with a playoff game at home where the Browns came in and destroyed them. And there was a lot of things that went wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Steelers early in that game, and they spent the whole game trying to catch up and dig out of a deep hole. Uh, I, I'm telling you, you know, Ben saying what he said, the circumstances, everything, you throw it all together, it makes for a very memorable Monday night game, and I think it gives the Steelers a real chance to beat the Browns. Look, as weird as this sounds, Mike, this is the scenario by which Pittsburgh could make the playoffs and be either the three or four seed. Here it is. They've got to beat Cleveland and Baltimore. And the Bengals have to lose to Kansas City and then at Cleveland. Now, none of those outcomes are impossible. <laughs> none. And, and, and do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But if those two things happen, the Pittsburgh Steelers win the AFC North and they go into the playoffs and play a home game on probably on January 15th. I think that would be utterly, absolutely stunning to the world. But you know what it would do? That would give even though I do think that there's a lot of people in the NFL who love the thought of seeing Joe Burrow be the next big TV attraction. I also think that the Howard Katz division of the league office says, oh, Steelers, 
in the playoffs, in Ben Roethlisberger's maybe his last game, there's some ratings for you right there. So, look, I think either way, the league's a winner if either one of those teams wins and makes it. Peter, I remember when the Steelers lost, or not lost, tied the Lions, that game that was played the day yeah. after Ben Roethlisberger was diagnosed with COVID. I, I've been watching that tie in the standings ever since because I've had a gut feeling yeah. from the moment yeah. it happened that that's going to be the thing that gets the Steelers in by the skin of their teeth, that that's the thing that, you know, we got all these different tiebreakers, nothing like a tie to make tiebreakers irrelevant. And, and here's the problem, though. Let's say they win the division. And and the scenario you laid out is not that crazy. We just talked earlier about how the Bengals win two, lose two, win two, lose two. They're due to lose two. And the Browns kicked the crap out of them when they got together in Cincinnati earlier this year. And the Browns are going to want to, you know, they're going to be motivated in the final game of the season. All the questions about Baker Mayfield and everything. I, 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 it's, it's not nuts that it would happen. Um, the, here's the problem. The Steelers would would potentially pull it together for a home playoff game, and that's how you properly yeah. send off Ben Roethlisberger and something crazy yeah. happens, a block punt, a missed field goal, this, that, or the other thing, and they win the game. And then they go on the road and they lose by 50 the following week in the divisional yeah. round. That's the problem. Because <laughs> we yeah. saw that five days ago in Kansas City. Yeah. Hey, you know, they. It's, this is crazy. Under my scenario, it's probable that they'd have to go to Kansas City again and get beat by 55 points. And, you know, you know, Mike, the reason why I really don't think this is going to happen, nor does it have much of a chance at all. I mean, how about this stat that I figured out the other day, just nerding out, um, you know, on the records? The Pittsburgh Steelers, before the last five weeks, had never lost to either Cincinnati or Kansas City in the Roethlisberger era by more than 10 points. They got myrtleized by both teams in the last five weeks by whatever it was. And, you know, that's why, to me, it's all well and good to say, oh, they got a shot. If this happens, that happens. Of course it could happen. But... I just don't see Pittsburgh keeping up the bargain on this one. One thing that won't happen this year, the Seahawks for the first time in a decade will not have a winning record. Their best finish possible is 8-9. and nine. They've got the Lions coming to town this weekend for their home finale for the 2021 season, and that's a significant game because it quite possibly will be the last time we see Russell Wilson playing at Lumen Field in Seattle in a uniform that the home team wears. I guess he could be back at some point in the future, just not as a member of the Seahawks. Here he is yesterday addressing his potentially uncertain future as a member of the team. You know, I know, I know for me personally, you know, uh, you know, I, I hope it's not my last game, but, you know, at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL, you know, so I, I'm just focused on the day, you know, and getting better today. And so that's, that's my focus. That's my goal. I love the city and I love this, you know, this moment. So, uh, you know, I love these guys. And so we, we got to make sure we get better today. That's the only, that's the only thing that matters. Peter, just the mere fact that he would say the words, I hope it's not my last game, validates all of the talk, all of the speculation, all of the rumors, all of the everything he said back in February. I mean, if he felt the way he did when he unloaded his complaints on the Dan Patrick show after a 12 and 4 season, 
Well, he's not going to feel any better after a losing season, the first one of his career. How can he feel any better about the team after what he's seen this season? And for him to say those words, look, it's not like the Seahawks are thinking about moving on from him. It's about him thinking that he would move on from the Seahawks. So he's managed to compartmentalize these realities far differently than Aaron Rodgers has. Aaron Rodgers just kind of lived with his truth, well, some aspects of his truth, as it relates to his football situation. Truth otherwise is a different issue. But, you know, Russell Wilson's done this Batman thing where, you know, uh, in the regular season, he's mild-mannered Bruce Wayne, and then when in the offseason, he's doing everything he can to drive the the Batmobile out of town. And, and, And the Batmobile's starting to rev up. And I think what he said yesterday... Is, is him softly putting his foot on the pedal and making sure the engine's ready to go. Look, you know, the weirdest thing, there's a lot of weird stats about this NFL season, but to me, the weirdest one is this. There are three teams in the NFL right now that are tied with the worst conference record right now in the NFL at 2-8. and eight. One is Jacksonville, one is Detroit, the other is Seattle. And... The Seahawks have to be thinking. I know Pete Carroll said the other day that, hey, listen, we're not thinking that we have to revolutionize everything. Uh, We're going to come back strong, you know, Pete being Pete, uh, the power of positive thinking, Pete. Uh, But look, you know, they've got a lot of decisions to make about their franchise. And I think one of the decisions is whether they want to try to have a full reboot and to rebuild their team uh, around DK Metcalf and maybe some of the young players and maybe sign Quandre Diggs and, uh, and have Jamal Adams hopefully come back after the incredible investment they have made in him. But, but you know, they got to make a decision on Bobby Wagner too. But no one knows what that decision is. This organization, relatively speaking, has been a sphinx about what they're thinking about for the future. So we'll see. But all I know is that last year, Russell Wilson rattled the cages and there was a lot of upset people in Seattle and in Seattle behind the closed doors inside the Seahawks. And you're absolutely right. It's been a lot worse this year. So what do you think Russell Wilson is thinking? Mike, one of my questions about Russell Wilson, though, is... Let's look at the teams that really might be interested in Russell Wilson. And I don't know. These are This is all just throwing darts right now. But you have to ask yourself if you're Russell Wilson. And let's say, I'm not even saying the New York Giants would be. But let's just say the New York Giants offered him uh, both ones this year and a one in 23 or whenever. Okay? They offer him three ones. If you're Russell Wilson... I mean, do you look at the New York Giants and say, oh, my God, I'm bringing the Giants back to the top? Maybe he does. I don't know. But, but you know, what are the teams? Do you want to go to New Orleans with a horrible cap situation where you really don't know what the future of that franchise is? I mean, it's just I, I'm not sure that the grass is going to be greener on the other side if you go to a bad team now. Wilson is Joe Optimist. He always has been. And maybe he will look at it in a different way. We'll see.
That's an excellent point, though, Peter, because I firmly believe that what Tom Brady was able to do last year with the Buccaneers messed up a lot of franchises and a lot of franchise quarterbacks and got them thinking, I want to do the same thing where I pick my next spot, I set my own table, I go to a place where the table is set with everything but me, and we go have a great special season and maybe win a Super Bowl. But that's the problem. Where is that spot? For Russell Wilson or for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Denver is is becoming kind of uh, that that, that attraction. Be- right. Well, uh, between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, which guy are you going to want? I mean, you're going to get more years out of Russell I- Wilson, but there are real questions about Wilson after this season. I hope the explanation is his finger because he had three horrible underthrows in that game against the Rams that was moved to a Tuesday night. He had uh, he doesn't move like he used to, Peter. He doesn't have the mobility that we see in the young quarterbacks that zip all over the place and buy extra time. He's morphing into a pocket passer simply because he doesn't run like he once did. And if he can't throw the ball accurately like he once did, and hopefully the offseason he'll get back to where he was once that finger's fully healed, but, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a down year for him. And I hope the explanation is it's because of the injury. Because if it's not the injury, he's starting to slip at the age of 33. He's as old as Matthew Stafford. That's what was so stunning to me after that most recent Seahawks-Rams game. They were born the same year. It feels like Stafford's been around a lot longer than Russell Wilson. They are the same age at 33. He knows the clock is ticking on his career. He said he wants three more Super Bowl wins Where do you go to get them? Where's the team where you walk right through the door and you become a juggernaut? I'm not sure that there is one. Look, let's remember one thing for everybody who would recreate history and redraw the boundary lines of history around Tom Brady's move to Tampa. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2019 were 7-7 entering the last two weeks of the season. They weren't going to make the playoffs but they had a very good chance at finishing 9-7. and seven. They were playing two games at home, Houston and Atlanta. The Bucs are better than both teams at that time. And Jameis Winston threw six interceptions in those two games, including a walk-off in overtime in the last throw he ever made as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer to lose. So they finished 7-9. and nine. And I kept saying, this is, I'm not saying a sleeping giant, But this is not your father's Tampa Bay. This is a good team that has a chance to win quickly. And look, I'm not saying that's why Brady took took it there. I think there are other places he would have rather gone. I think he would have rather gone to Indianapolis uh, and and who knows where else. But San Francisco was his first choice and they said no thanks. Yeah. And you look at it and you look at Tampa and you've got two excellent receivers. You've got uh, two very good tight ends. Uh, you've got a young and growing offensive line, which was buttressed a month after Brady signed with the best tackle in that draft, Tristan Wirfs, who's been fantastic on the right side of that line. And look, it's not fluky what the Bucks have done when you get a competent quarterback who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That's what this game is. Who makes the fewest mistakes usually wins. I look at the Denver Broncos as the pot of gold. They will be 2022's Tampa Bay. 
because they've got a lot of talent. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got some real players on defense. They've got a pretty good secondary. If Bradley Chubb can stay on the field, they've got a good outside rush guy. Denver is where I'd want to go if I want to go, and I'm Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. But here's the problem. You're jumping into a division that has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and we don't know what's going to happen yeah. with the Raiders. First, they got to hire a coach. Mark Davis hasn't even shown any inclination to start interviewing coaches, even though he's in the window where he can. That was one of the teams that Russell Wilson had on his short list last year. Now, it was different. John Gruden was the coach. But once the game of coaching musical chairs comes to an end, then we have a better sense of where some of these quarterbacks may want to go. Wouldn't it be something if both Rodgers and Wilson ended up with the Broncos and the Raiders, respectively, and you have Herbert Mahomes in the division? But but still, there isn't that spot where everything is lining up perfectly. So back to the point you originally made Peter and I think it's a good one where's Russell Wilson gonna go where he's gonna feel like he's got that edge he's got that opportunity things are stacked in his favor like they were for Tom Brady other than Denver and even in Denver I'm not so sure it's like it was two years ago but that's the closest thing you're gonna have to a Tampa Bay two years after the fact I got one more Seahawks question for you before we take before we take a break because we don't know what yeah. Jody Allen, the owner of the Seahawks, is going to do. When, when Paul Allen, her brother, died, she inherited his entire portfolio, and he has massive holdings. And there's a company called Vulcan Incorporated that runs everything. And no one knows how involved she is. No one knows how engaged she is. There was a report from NFL Network a few weeks ago that she's upset about what's happening, and she's paying attention. That, we don't know whether or not that's going to result in, in any serious reaction when the season ends. If, however she would fire Pete Carroll. You know, we talk about Mike Tomlin from time to time. Steelers fans get upset. Well, you know what? If you ever fire him, he's going to land somewhere else, possibly in your division the next day. In if five Pete minutes. Carroll would get, yeah. <laughs> Where does Pete Carroll fall on that scale? Because we've seen plenty of guys get fired and get hired right away who you would think and say, well, why they get a job again? Does Pete Carroll land somewhere in this cycle if he gets fired by the Seattle Seahawks, well, in your opinion? The question, the question is, He's going to have to convince an owner that he's got Ponce de Leon in his back pocket that, uh, you know, he'll coach. He would coach next year at age 71. Do you want to hire a coach who's going to start his tenure with your team at age 71, even though he seems like he's 55? I, I totally get it. But there is a birth certificate with Pete Carroll. And you have to wonder, I don't think he'd be anywhere near as attractive as Mike Tomlin, but I do think he'd have a very good chance of getting a job in a, what I would call a watered down starless uh, crop of potential new coaches for 2022. Uh, Pete, you know, I, this is the best comparison I can think of. And, I, and uh, Pete Carroll reminds me of... The mob boss who puts on a robe and acts feeble when he's in court, and then the moment that he's cleared, he's back to being the badass mob boss, although it's in reverse. Like, if you see Pete Carroll anywhere else, he's kind of, he looks every bit of 70. The moment he yeah. steps on to or anywhere near a football field, he's half his age. So... 
if, yeah. if you want to convince an owner that Pete Carroll is as spry as grandma in Bad Santa, show the tapes of Pete Carroll at a game. Because he's a, di- isn't he? He's yeah. a different guy on the sideline, jumping around, running around, throwing the ball before the games, and then he morphs into a completely different person as soon as he leaves the stadium. It's an amazing transformation. Yeah, I look, I've sat with Pete Carroll. He really is young at heart, uh, very much so. And he firmly believes in that. Uh, he eats in a pristine fashion. His body is a temple. I have great admiration for Pete Carroll and how he takes care of himself. It's fantastic. He's a model for the future. And it could be that that an owner will say, hey, I'm just looking at the guy I see. He looks unbelievable. And maybe he won't con- consider his age. But I, I don't know how you couldn't consider his age. <laughs> you know, when you if you were going to go after him and and perhaps try to hire him. I'm fascinated by Chicago as a destination for Pete Carroll and for John Schneider if they do a clean sweep in Seattle. Uh, I, I'm just That's one that, that has just kind of stuck in my mind all week long, that if the Bears clean house, they could do a hell of a lot worse than Pete Carroll and John Schneider for a team that has that has struggled to be relevant in recent years, and Schneider and Carroll have been relevant every year that they've been uh, with the Seahawks. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the passing of John Madden earlier this week continues to resonate through the NFL. Peter and I get a chance to talk about it together for the first time. We'll share some more memories and appreciations of the late John Madden when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.